0: Welcome to the Voice of Aged Care podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Badgick smith Aged Care Psychology Consultant. I bring my background in psychology, clinical experience, and latest research to this podcast, which is shared in stories, strategies, and solutions to the widely underestimated problem of isolation and loneliness in late life. I truly believe that supporting well-being of our elders is a shared responsibility and that we can help the older person achieve better outcomes for their well-being and do our best by being our best and looking after ourselves. I'm glad you're here. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Voice of Aged Care. Today's episode is about starting a career in aged care. This is a popular topic and one that I am frequently contacted about From others who are passionate about supporting elders but not quite sure where to start and what to do. So, this episode is to help those who want to make a career change or if they want to specialise in working with older people. I receive emails from people saying, I'm a carer, I want to get into aged care, I'm a health professional. I'm a psychologist. I want to do what you do. Um, you don't want to do what I do. I've done lots of different things and every day of my working life is very different. So I, I'm perhaps not the best role model in terms of copying what I'm doing because my work activities and days vary so much. But I'm so excited that you are passionate and interested about this topic because our in Australia, our population in, is ageing and worldwide our population is ageing as well. But today I wanted to just highlight some of those statistics that relate to our ageing population here in Australia. So in 2020, approximately 4.2 million or 16% of our population were aged 65 and over. By 2050, it's expected to grow to one quarter So that means that we're expecting to see a growth from 16% to 25% of Australians who are aged 65 and over. Now, remembering with our Indigenous communities, it is people aged 50 and over that are seen as being elder. Most people who are elderly live by themselves. They live independently in their own homes. Three in four people aged 85 plus live in their private homes. Some people might be living with their families or some might be, you know, traveling the world without a fixed address. The vast majority live in private accommodation, either rented or owned. So when we think about residential aged care, we know that residential care is not a normal progression into late life stage and it's not, you know, yes, yes normal part of ageing is gradually slowing down physically and not being able to keep up fast pace of walking perhaps, but experiencing dementia, which unfortunately 450,000 Australians live with every day, is not a normal part of ageing. And so moving into residential aged care is not a normal part of progression. For a person to move into residential aged care, it's not just that they suddenly qualify because they've reached age of 65 plus that they can move into residential aged care. Usually means that they need higher level of support needs and that those level of support needs are assessed and deemed as high and that person is not able to live at home by themselves. And I know that a lot of people who do live in residential aged care would dispute and say, no, if this didn't happen, if that didn't happen, I would still be living at home by myself independently. But the reality is is that their level of support needs is quite high and that for them living at home was not sustainable financially or maybe they didn't have enough support network or that they just needed that little bit more monitoring and safety um, to make sure that they were well looked after in an environment that was safe and provided them with accommodation, with meals, with personal care assistance, with you know monitoring of their health. And so for people to move into residential aged care, as I said, they they have to have higher level of support needs. And so when you think about your career and working in aged care, you need to think, well, what part of that aged care journey actually attracts me and where do I see that my skill level would benefit the most? Because although Australians are a diverse group, and they all have, you know, different ages, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different life experience and lifestyles. So all these factors influence the aging process and affect how Australians are coping, how their health is and also how is their well being. So the first step I want you to have a clear vision of is what is it that you want in terms of your career? Where do you see yourself fitting in within that aged care spectrum? Do you see yourself being self-employed or do you see yourself you know, applying for a job that you might see online or being advertised elsewhere and what that might look like? And so it's important if you think about your self-employment opportunities and starting maybe as a home care worker or working in a residential aged care facility, are you going to do that through agency? Are you going to be employed by the organisation? Are you going to be a contractor? What that might look like. Or you, you know, maybe considering just volunteering some time as well and you're not interested in paying employment. So these are all the decisions you need to make before you start approaching organisations so that you know where you are placed and what your interest is in. And obviously, if you are looking at self-employment, you need to be prepared initially that there will be some issues with your cash flow. And that, you know, it might take a while to get paid, that you need to set up your ABN number, that you need to set up your invoices, that you need to set up a, a separate bank account. All these things that take a bit of time, but once you actually get them, it's not that hard to keep going. Every beginning is hard. And so this is just the one, one chapter of your journey that, you know, initially might feel so overwhelming. But that is easily overcome with the right supports, you know, speaking to accountants, to bookkeepers and making sure that you have all your ducks in a row and making sure that you set it up properly. So if you are registered for GST or you're not registered for GST in Australia, that that, that's reflected in your invoices. And then, as I said, you know, deciding where you're going to work, where you're going to work and what you're going to do is the first step, okay? The The next one is being prepared for the unexpected. So... The reality is, is that we can be thrown into new environments and new experiences that we might not encounter. I can think back to doing home visits when I started out as a psychologist visiting people in their own homes. You know, you come there and then maybe a person has had a medical episode or maybe they've, you know, forgotten about the appointment that they're not there and you're like, oh, I guess I'm not going to see you today. Or, you know, they might be in hospital. So there's all these, like you have to, uh, you have to accommodate for the uncertainty and you have to accommodate that the circumstances of your client may have changed. As well as that, you know, you might come and see them that they've had a bad day or they've had a setback with their health and maybe they're not presenting really well. You can see this in residential care. You can see this in, in home care environment that you, you don't know what you're going to encounter that day. And that if a person has a, a different emotional reaction, to what they normally are like, that it might change in terms of what your interaction might look like on that day. And also being prepared that you might have a different reactions to what you see in front of you there. So sometimes you can also be triggered by, you know, someone being emotionally distressed, someone having a, a setback with their health or you know someone being in a great mood because it's their ninetieth or hundredth birthday, and you know it might really pick you up if you had a bad day and you were stuck in traffic and you're running late. So being prepared for that as well and accommodating that is something that um, is quite important in aged care. It's very different to an office job where you go day in and out and things seem to be you know quite consistent. When you work with the elderly, there is that unexpected. You know, unexpected element. And, you know, this is something that I've, it's taken me a while to, to work out myself as well is that sometimes you might be like, okay, um, you know, I don't know if this is going to be my last time to see this client. You might, you might not know. Sometimes you can see clients who might be in palliative care and you go, okay, well, you know, this is probably the last time I'm going to see them and you can see them again and again and again. So, you really need to let go of that sense of control and being able to foresee what will come around the corner because there are a lot of surprises with aged care and sometimes people who are quite unwell might keep going for a lot longer than anyone anticipates, including their health team. And some people can quite suddenly no longer be there and we don't have any explanation as to what's going on and I know that having spoken to a lot of people in residential care this can be particularly triggering when they go oh I've just had a couple of days off or I just finished on Friday and I come on Monday and such and such you know it's no longer here so how we deal and how we process unexpected events is so important and this is what I've spoken about previously as well it's how we deal with grief and loss how do we deal with clients passing away, how we deal with clients moving away and and those closures is really, really important. And so I think it's really important that I highlight it here today as well because it is something that doesn't suddenly disappear. We need to keep on working on that skill. All right, I'm going to have a quick break and
1: I'll be back shortly. Hi, my name is Glenda. I live in Launceston, Tasmania. I cannot recommend Julie's book, Beyond the Reluctant Move, highly enough. One sentence stayed with me. Moving into an aged care facility is not always a setback. Some individuals thrive in a residential setting, and I have found that to be true. Julie's book takes pride of place in my encouragement library. I have over 50 books and DVDs which I loan out to encourage older adults and to help people of all ages learn about ageing. There are literally now thousands of books in this genre, which you could call self-help in mid and later life. If you are interested in loaning or donating any books, and if you can pay postage, I'll post them around Australia, and I can also send you a book list. My email address is glendadaily5 at gmail.com, it's lowercase number five, and I'd love to hear from you.
0: All right, so today we're talking about working in aged care. And where to start if you want a in aged care, a topic that's really popular and a lot of people have been asking me about this. And so I thought I'd record this episode because it's nice to have a reference to an important topic like this and something you can refer to. So we spoke about first couple of points, creating a clear vision of what you want. Um, number two, being prepared for the unexpected. Now I've got a few more here for you. So third point is to... Accept the fact that you need, you're never going to be at a level where you, with your learning journey, where you can just stop. We never stop learning. And so even myself, like there's always opportunities to continue to learn, attend workshops, read books, listen to podcasts. You really need to keep up to date with latest information and practices and knowledge that is really relevant for you and for your role. So we never, never stop learning. Equip yourself with skills, even if you feel that they might not be relevant. And what I mean by that is, so my background is in psychology. And sometimes I still need to know things that you think, why would psychologists need to know about that? Well, it helps me understand how to best to support the person. So you might want to learn about Stroke and how that impacts a person emotionally. You might need to learn about safe swallowing. And there's a wonderful, wonderful educator who does a lot of work on, on that topic. Um, and so, you know, we need to know how to, to support someone with, with this safe swallowing or to identify when they might need to have that assessment to see, are they eating and drinking food that is actually safe for them? It's not our job. Well, it's not my job as a psychologist to be assessing their safe sw- swallowing skills, but we need to know how we highlight that they might need that support, especially if it's someone living in their own home that no one else has actually looked at that. And so escalating those concerns is really important, just like it's important to escalate those concerns if a client appears to be really emotionally distressed, disengaged, if they tell you that you know they don't want to keep going or if they've vocalized that they want to die. Not expecting you to have the skills as a psychologist to assess what their level of risk is for suicide. Are they low risk, moderate or high risk? I'd like people to be able to just identify that this person is at risk and we need to escalate those concerns to so the health professional, to the mental health professional, to, you know, the family, whatever you feel is appropriate in that circumstance and with that support network for the person. So really it's important to make sure that your professional development diary is including a range of skills that you have completed, including range of workshops that you've attended. You know, you might just do one of my workshops, like a two-hour workshop on grief and loss, um, and then you've got that skill. And the more you study, the more you keep up to date with current information, current knowledge, that makes you more hireable and employable because the employer is going to look into that going, wow, this is not someone who's finished you know, their studies 40 years ago and hasn't done anything since. This is somebody who's actually keeping up to date and knows how to support someone in today's world and in today's, you know, they know how to escalate concerns. They know what supports are available out there and that makes you a really good candidate. Number four, align yourself to experts so get to know who you should follow. Like get to know who you should be, um, looking up on social media, on Instagram, on, on Facebook. What are they talking about? What are they doing? What are they, you know, uh, what activities are they keeping, uh, up to date with, with their work? Are there examples of their success stories? Are there examples of, uh, activities where they're asking for more participants or opportunities to work with them. Really, really, uh, important to get to, to align yourself with experts so that when you work in an aged care that you go, yes, I've done this and this is, uh, industry endorsed workshop. I'm following publications. I saw on LinkedIn there's a new article that's come out about, um, you know, dementia. And I know that there was a conference recently for Dementia Australia. And so that you, your knowledge is aligned with where we are at to, uh, you know, in today's world. And so that really, you know, point three and four, train and learn and align yourself with experts. They're quite interrelatable but one relates to you completing education and training and the other one is also aligning yourself to the organisations and knowing what, what support is available out there that might help you and also the client that you're supporting. And then the last point I wanted to talk about is to expect some hiccups. You know, expect the best but prepare for the worst. So sometimes, you know, you'll find some hiccups in what you're doing. It's not going to be all smooth sailing. And unfortunately, a lot of people give up on their career and on their – vision for their business quite early on. They just think, oh my God, this is all too hard. It, it is quite overwhelming, especially if you're retraining or you're starting up a new business and it just can feel so much responsibilities on you, you know, if you from invoicing to your professional development to finding clients to, um, you know, building your business to marketing to paying yourself paying your bills there's just so many elements to being a business owner and even for those who work as a carers and and just you know get clients Uh, that they see privately, there's many aspects of your role as well. So do expect to have some hiccups as well. And do expect to have some setbacks. Setback doesn't mean that you're back at square one. It just means you might be going through a bit of a rough time at the moment. You might need to take some time off and just to recharge your batteries and um, allow yourself just to rest before you can look that that issue with a fresh set of eyes. So do expect that I think that's part and parcel of the of the of the cycle of being self-employed as well. And 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 to starting a new career. So not necessarily, you know, owning your business. You might just go like, oh my God, this just feels really hard. And I think it's really important at moments like that to acknowledge the journey that you have been on and Pat yourself on the shoulder and give yourself some praise about the amazing work that you've done and that this too shall pass. And it's, you know, might be an opportunity where you might think, I need some more supervision. I might need some more support. I might need to join a mentoring group. I might need to get a, um, a accountability buddy. There's all these different ways where we can connect with other people so that we do not feel as alone in our issue. So it depends if you are starting a solo venture and doing things by yourself, or if you're joining in a team and you might feel like, oh my God, everyone knows a lot more than I do. It's so important that we find the right support for us and not give up and 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 keep going and learning and adapting to support people different ways. I haven't done an an episode yet on, on hiccups that I've had over the years, but I just want you to know that Things have not always been, you know, smooth sailing for me. And I've learned a lot from opportunities and experiences that I've had as well. And that brings me to, you know, where I am today. And I, I remember I was one of the first ones to start this podcast in HK. And I was like, Oh my God, what am I going to talk about? But every week I get so inspired and thank so much my listeners for emailing me, getting in touch and saying, Hey, Julie, what about this question? Or what about this? So that I can learn how to best support you guys and record episodes like this one today, where i I'm sharing with you um, some of the insights and some of the responses that I've put in an email. I thought it would be a lot better and benefit more people if I um, make an episode on this topic. So that's it for today. Stay safe and I'll see you at the next episode. Bye. Well, that is another episode of The Voice of Age Care Done and Dusted. Make sure you don't miss out when I release another episode by becoming a subscriber on your app of choice and if you can please leave a review too i'd love to know what you think of the podcast and what you'd like to hear in the future now the next thing you need to do is go straight over to wisecare.com.au forward slash resources and check out my latest resources you can download for free it could be a book chapter 20 strategies to boost engagement with elders or my most popular resource, Five Facts About Me Worksheet. You'll be sure to find them all there, wisecare.com.au forward slash resources. I'll see you at the next episode.